like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me over on Instagram at AskAdamTorres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signing, all that other good stuff. Uh, and as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Phil Gibson on the line. He is the Vice President of Marketing over at Essence Grows. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. It's nice to be here today. So I'm excited about to get into what you're doing over at uh, Essence Grows and, you know, how exactly you're helping your clients. Uh, but before we do that, let's just go back a little bit in your history. So how did you get started in business? Uh, well, I, I got an engineering degree, started out in sales, uh, graduated to kind of marketing and did that for probably the early part of my career. And the funny thing happened, the internet happened. So created my first website back in 1995 and uh, really rode that into creating a lot of the early digital marketing things that everybody kind of trusts as routine today, but we had to create them all from scratch back then. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, moved into a handful of VP level roles at uh, marketing for Texas Instruments, National Semiconductor, Infineon, a lot of people in the semiconductor space, but it was really a web marketing guy was everything I was doing. Uh, back in those days, I created a platform online for design of power systems called WebBench, and uh, that became quite a name for itself in the semiconductor space, and that's really uh, the biggest thing I did there. And Really, this was a big transition of just trying to step into something new and different and more in the startup realm. realm. And uh, and so uh, Essence Grows is all about uh, just being a seat of the pants startup and doing everything on your own. And it's got all the pieces of you wear every hat you need to. So you do a little bit of sales, a little bit of business development, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of web development. Uh, it's pretty much whatever it needs, and that's what you're out doing. I, I love your story, by the way, and this is a good one, and I'll tell you why. So uh, so a lot of the listeners, you know, some of them are, are in your exact shoes. They've worked for, they've had some success in working for large companies, and maybe they're thinking about uh, getting started with their own business in a startup, uh, or maybe they just joined this startup, or, or they have an opportunity to join one, and they're kind of uh, trying to weigh those decisions. Um, that being said, I know you've been in business now over a couple of years. Um, that being said, what kind of things do you think they should be looking out for that you that you've kind of learned along the way? Well, I've always gone for new and growing markets. Uh, so, you know, with the philosophy that that uh, rising tides lift all boats, and you know, whether I'm great or I'm good or I'm mediocre. Uh, I'm going to be successful in that space. So I always tried to pick something that was brand new and innovative, if you would. So kind of in the big picture, I'd say look at your business opportunities, look for the skill set you've got, and uh, take a look at what what market segments might be growing and expanding and how can you step into those. And, and when you do that, there's always something new that can be done. And, uh, you know, you always want to do something fun you enjoy, but uh, but going after a brand new market that's growing fast is, is a lot more fun than going after a really mature market that's tired and old. So uh, that's always kind of a big thing is to go after something new and different. 
I think that's a great transition to what you're doing over at Essence Girls. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So um, what exactly are you doing to help your clients and how are you helping them? Essence Grows is in what I consider a very new industry, which is indoor farming. If I look at uh, back in my previous career with semiconductors, that was really embryonic around 1960 when things were being started uh, wafers by hand. Um, and over the time that went forward into the 80s, it got to be a larger billion-dollar corporation. This business of indoor farming, which is competing with soil and the sun and the way we used to do things agriculturally outdoors, uh, is really a brand new space. And it's made possible primarily by uh, LED lighting breakthroughs that allow you to have low-cost, low-energy light sources for photo energy for plants. And so you can bring a whole new environment in. But what's also kind of broken through at the same time is a lot of precision sensor technology. So you can create um, artificial environments that are better than outdoor environments, superior to them, and produce plants that are superior to nutrition and growth and, and things like that. So being like any new technology, it's a little more expensive in the early parts of, of, uh, of the growth curve. And so things are really changing, literally product generation of product generation and so very innovative, very fast evolution um, as things become more competitive. But, so we have anything from customers that are growing uh, food and produce in islands, frozen tundras, the deserts of United Arab Emirates, places where they're willing to pay a premium, but to get the food source that's really reliable and safe and pure. Um, or uh, you're in very competitive market spaces. So the cannabis space is one where it's the premium value plant uh, here in North America primarily, uh, but it has all kinds of explosive little markets uh, around Europe, South Africa, South America. Uh, so it's going to be a very exciting business in the cannabis space. So as that takes off, um, you know, it comes back down to your value proposition. In our case, our value proposition is we do precision aeroponics, which is uh, the roots dangle in air and you spray them with the precision recipe you want for nutrition. And the plants grow about 40% faster than they grow in soil. Uh, so you get a very fast cycle growth. Some really highly nutritious plants or high terpene content cannabis uh, and those plants just grow really, really fast. So from a return on investment perspective, the cannabis business, you break even in about uh, two harvests, which is about 16 weeks in this business. So literally, you make an investment and you're making money in the first year, which in the farming space is really unheard of. So you know, while farming is a real struggling business to try and break even, unless you're in one of these extreme places like frozen areas or desert areas uh, or, uh, or isolated areas, uh, cannabis is just the opposite. It's really anyone who wants to be in business can make a lot of money real quick. So you have the challenge, though, of legislation, uh, legal markets versus um, pseudo-legal markets. Um, and so here in the U.S., we're kind of struggling with banking systems and taxation and state-by-state challenges and, uh, you know, being a controlled substance on a, on a U.S. basis versus being legal in a state like California. 
Um, Canada, on the other hand, uh, is really going after the business uh, as an industry. They have a low taxation rate. They have a uh, stock market for uh, financial services. They have a great banking system. So they are really going after a global marketplace. And cannabis on a global basis is going to amount to $150, billion business within another five to ten years. So, you know, give you an idea and perspective with that, uh, the global fruit and produce business is about $250 billion. So cannabis wow. is going to pretty quickly get up to be about two-thirds of that business on a global basis. So it's not a small industry to ignore uh, if you uh, if you want to compete on a global standpoint. So Canada's really going after it and doing a great job. And so as a result, I'm shipping just about everything I can make in Canada. Uh, and I have a few customers in the U.S., but what kinds of great pockets, South Africa, Switzerland, you know, other places are coming up as people are the early adopters and they get into that business. So it's kind of a long answer to your question, but we are in the precision indoor farming space and we just try to make our customers wildly successful. What kind of uh, what kind of trends are you noticing specifically in, in the equipment? I'm just always curious about this because I know, um, you know, uh, that space you can grow, you grow things a lot faster, as you mentioned. Um, where do you think this goes? You said it, you said it can possibly even get better. Well, yeah. So I think as, as the volumes in the cannabis market space continue to climb, Mm-hmm. What that does is it allows our manufacturing to expand and really get into the you know mature manufacturing phase, which means your costs sure. start coming down dramatically. So as volumes go up, cost comes down, mm-hmm. and that's going to make us a lot more competitive in the fresh produce space because wow. you know indoor farming is small volume, um, very limited in scale right now in the in the U.S. and North American markets. But if the costs come down dramatically, then your ability to have uh, very good returns in the farming space get to be mm-hmm. much attractive. And the differences are that uh, you're not shipping from Salinas Valley, Valley in California all the mm-hmm. way across to New York City and losing half of your produce in transit and shipping something that's more like a football than a tomato. Um, and so you're you're going to get produce on a local basis that's going to go much more old school, if you will, because it will be varieties that are mm-hmm. delicious, delicious and smell great and look great and have great nutrition because they're right off the vine and they're delivered locally to your plate. Um, so all of that distribution infrastructure that was required to get produce from, you know, where the sun was available California, Florida, mm-hmm, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can literally have any abandoned grocery store chain in your neighborhood or sh- uh, shopping store. So as all those shopping centers fold away and get you know replaced by Amazon, uh, this is a great way to go repurpose that activity and turn it into local food production. And then local food production. <clears throat> It's also very interesting because, like you said, where is it going? Mm-hmm. Today, we you know, have the equivalent of a player piano. We can play chopsticks. Mm-hmm. We can do it really well, and we can automate it and make it seamless, but it's chopsticks. Um, but 
within five years, I think we were playing symphonies of Chopin and Beethoven and you know, the the great works of art uh, because we'll learn about grow environment recipes. And so the mixture between lighting and temperature and humidity and CO2 and irrigation cycles and all of these things that impact growing um, we'll be able to take from you know the basics to something that's really tuned and optimized that variety. So for example um, you can take arugula from being a very plain simple green uh, leafy piece of produce to very spicy, hot, fiery, peppery, flavored, purple arugula. Same exact plant, same variety, but you just adjust the way you grow it. And so that recipe has some intellectual property to it and starts to become pretty attractive for people to have something really ex unexpected when they have a meal. Um, you know, unbelievable things that surprise them, bring their emotions out. And, and I've had people kind of struck with euphoria because it's a very emotional thing. You have a plate full of food that's so fresh, so dynamic, so unusual. When, when you taste it, it, it makes your, your body kind of leap to different things. And it's a, it's a discovery again. It's not just fiber. <laughs> mm, no, I love it. That, that's great. I, you know, it's an emotional connection you have with your life. Mm -hmm. So it's a, that's it's funny the way you say thing. it, but it's true. It's completely true, and it's different. And it's um, I never made the uh, the real connection of what's going to happen to our food supply based off of this investment in the cannabis industry. It's super interesting to see what can happen um, next and what will. I love your analogy. Um, so, Phil, if somebody's listening to this and they want more um, information about Essence Grows, um, what's the best way for them to reach out? Best target is the website. It really is full of information, and there are many forms and ways to contact um, uh, contact us. We are at www.essencegrows.com. It's a little complicated on the spelling. It's A-E-S-S-E-N-S-E, -E -S -S -E, uh, grows, G-R-O-W-S dot com. Um, but if you look for hydroponics, you'll find us, um, or aeroponics, you'll find us, things like that. But uh, it's a good website. Um, Anyone can contact me. I'm at pgibson, G-I-B-S-O-N, at essencegrows.com. So any of those are great ways to get forward and connect with us. Awesome, Phil. Well, hey, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast today and uh, sharing your tips and also um, the trends that are going on in your industry. Uh, to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, um, do all those great things that we do to support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And Phil, thanks again for coming on the show.